This is episode 145 for Tuesday, August 7th, 2018, brought to you from Arlington, Texas. This week, we feature beers from Colorado. Welcome to Brew Styles. My name is Chris, and together with Travis, Sawyer, Powers, and Jeremy, we take on the world of beer one style at a time. Every week, we discuss a different style of beer and taste some of our favorites. We hope you leave with a thirst for more. Our podcast may be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Look us up and subscribe to make sure you're kept up to date on our latest episodes. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at brew underscore styles. Drop by our website, brewstyles.com, where you can stream every episode, check out our photo gallery, and use the contact tab to send us comments and feedback. You can also find more information about the BJCP and how to become a certified beer judge. Settle in and raise a pint with us as we launch into another episode of Brew Styles. Well, welcome back. This week I'm joined by Travis. How's it going, Travis? Hey, doing well. I didn't do too much with homebrewing this week, but I did do a few things earlier today. I transferred both of the loggers from their primary to their secondary stage, and then I'll start the loggering process this week. Just kind of slowly ramp the temperature down until I get down to 32, 33 degrees, and then I'll let it sit for several weeks. And then I'll have beers ready for Oktoberfest. Really excited about that this nice. year. That'll be fun. Right on. Yeah, all my brewing is on hold for the move, but uh, hopefully I won't be without beer for very long. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, because allegedly all of your electric hookups are ready to go. Yeah. You just got to <laughs> plug and go. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Still got to move. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> all the brewing stuff's still in my garage. That's a negligible step. Well, I mean, you know, if I really needed to, I could propane eh, brew, yeah. but, you know, whatever. Also joined by Powers. How's it going, Powers? Uh, doing all right. I uh, have gone another week without bottling my ESB, which means that thing's been sitting <laughs> in the fermenter for about four weeks now. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm not too worried about it. Uh, probably get up there, hopefully uh, sometime this week, uh, maybe on a weekday, and actually just get up there and finally bottle it. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Um, so you finally hit the bottling wall that hits every home brewer. You know, it's... It, well, it's not even, like, the bottling wall. It's the, when do I have time to drive up to McKinney wall, which is, you know, not not too bad for me. It's just with the new position that I've been in, I've been doing a lot of, like, stuff over the weekend for my job, and that's just kind of gotten in the way of it. It's kind of like, this is almost my band tober uh, as mm. far as Quick Trip goes, <laughs> only it's a three-month process where uh, if I don't do well, I go back to my former position, and... I'm not going to let that happen. <laughs> so uh, that's definitely taken the forefront in my life. But I've been drinking some beer. Um, you know, I think last night I had my first Manhattan Project beer, at least so far as I can remember. I might have a check-in or two from, like, Blue Bonnet or something if they were there. But it was the Hoppenheimer. It's their IPA. Hmm. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, nothing, nothing super special about it. It was just a really good IPA to have with my really – spicy pasta which was nice mm. <laughs> so you know awesome. their their double half-life could have just been named life yeah oh god 
<laughs> it could have been if they really thought it through. Yeah. Oh, this was goodness. a conversation that we actually had with a bartender, or at least I did. I don't, Travis. I guess you weren't in there for that. I won't say the location, just hmm. because you know we go there. Right. But the bartender was confused as to why they called it Double Half Life. Oh, I think I remember you talking about this. Yeah, but she was too busy drinking at this place called Uncle Nasty's. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know Half Life is a reference to you know decay, nuclear decay, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway. It was a double IPA, so it was double Half-Life, because Half-Life is their IPA, so he didn't understand why they just call it Life. And it wasn't like an ironic, like, well, you know, they should have just still called it Life. It was no. like, it was like I don't understand why you're telling me that this is a right. double IPA and should be double Half-Life. Right. He, whatever. Oh, you know, we can't all be geniuses. It just bothered me. I mean, like, that's basic, like, <laughs> science, I don't, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, science. <laughs> anyway, uh, Travis and I did go to Turning Point this week. Uh, Wednesday, yes. Wednesday, yeah. We had the uh, the Cap and Hair Happy Hour mm-hmm. event. Um, I had never been there, and, and I think I'd only had one of their beers before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I got a, a flight of six um, of all new things. Nice. They kind of do one thing. Yeah, they because <laughs> we featured um, them once, and we featured their... Their dollar sign Texas, dollar right? Dollar sign Texas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the one that I'd had, so I didn't have that one there. But um, you know, they do the the hazy IPA thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a couple of offshoots from that, but most of their stuff is you know IPAs or double IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, the Oedipus Complex was pretty good. It tasted exactly like you know oatmeal cookies. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was their stout. Mm-hmm. Um, they have something called the lightest beer you have. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is their Pilsner. <laughs> I like that they call it that. Yeah. You know, because somebody goes up and goes, uh, let me have the lightest thing you have, right? So yeah, that's exactly. what they called it. Clever. Um, and I, it's a pretty solid Pilsner. I, I enjoy it as a Czech Pils. Um, hmm. Very clean, very tasty. Interesting that a place known for um, like IPAs can do, can really pull off a good, you know, just clean lager like yeah. that, right? I was I was impressed. Hmm. Um Real simple pills, and uh, I would definitely go back and get See, one of those. Seems like a place that's really up and coming in the area. I've been hearing, oh, yeah. I've been hearing their name come up a lot lately, as far as just DFW area breweries. And their location is super low key. It's in yeah. the middle of a shopping center, hmm. and you don't even you can't church. Even, yeah, you can't even <laughs> tell it's a brewery. Wow! Uh, until you, it looks like a Goodwill or something. You yeah, know, it's just like right in the middle of this um, shopping center, and. It, there's like one sign out front. You walk in the door and you can see all their fermenting and you know brewing equipment right there. Yeah, um, it's just a big empty space that they filled up with equipment in a, a bar. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's pretty low key. Picnic tables. Hmm, that's I, pretty nice. I have a free weekend next week. I might, you know, Anna's going up to do some wedding planning up up with her mom. So I might try to go check that Definitely out. We're checking out. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, maybe we should try to do a. Uh, brewery spotlight there. I think that'd be good. That'd be fun. I don't know what their distribution looks like. I haven't really seen anything. I can't imagine they'll be too far behind on that. It's, you know, because they're they're just a few months old, right? Um, I think it was earlier this year. Yeah. It was definitely less than a year old. Yeah, so I I can't imagine that distribution is too far out for them given the profile they've been getting. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see any canning equipment. 
Hmm. Those machines are usually pretty big. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so they'll probably do be uh, you know keg only for for well, a while, but they they have cans. It's I think crowlers, but well, yeah, I thought they had like the little crowler machine like you get at most tap rooms. And they have cans to go. Oh, okay. In one of the side coolers. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, but, yeah, I don't I don't think I've seen them at a at a store hmm. apart from them. Uh, as long as the hazy IPA trend holds then I think they'll be very successful because they do that pretty well. And they do that better than anyone else in DFW as far as I can tell right now. Yeah. The only thing that bothered me with their IPAs was the lack of... um, Diversity. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they all had the same ingredients except for like one. You know, they they would change one ingredient on this one and one ingredient on this one. And it's just there was not real, it wasn't very diverse, hmm. um, which is why I wanted to make sure I I wanted to get the the Oedipus because that was obviously different um, the pills, and then there was another light one uh, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Uh, some kind of Mexican lager I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, T- um, tears or yeah, Haysboro tears. That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so I got both, all three of those light, or to the two light ones and the stout, and then the rest of them I got their double IPs, but they all tasted the same. Right. Um, but anyway, you know, it's it's a it's definitely a niche, and and they're doing it well. So, and they're getting ahead of a lot of the other Texas breweries on that on that front. I mean, a lot of the other Texas breweries have kind of been doing what they're doing for a few years now. I mean, you know, especially the more established ones, and you know, with Turning Point, they can kind of come in and strike out their own name for themselves mm-hmm. and just come in doing the thing that everybody wants them to do right now, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah. Makes sense. So, and if that trend holds, then they're going to be very popular. But yeah. uh, just like we all know with all trends, some the, the market changes and yeah. culture wants something different. So, what do they do and how do they respond whenever that does happen? That'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. But I like them. I bought a shirt because I wanted to support them. Well, Jeremy's not here, so I'll give his cider update for him because <laughs> he texted in the group. Yes. Uh, after 10 days, he checked his gravity, and I guess he only checked the, the champagne yeast one because he didn't post a reading for the other one. But anyway, the champagne yeast cider is down to 0. .950. Sorry. I, I think it said point nine yeah, five. <laughs> so I'm reading his text stream, and then I forgot that he had... Anyway, so it's just under 1%. Uh, he says, uh, he said his FG is 8%, but I think he meant ABV. <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, that's he was, a pretty solid cider. He did say there was a, a pretty noticeable sulfuric smell uh, from the one with the cider yeast. Yeah, he was, um, he was he, asking how to, how to get rid of that, but Travis mentioned just kind of let it sit for a while and it'll, it'll dissipate I, over time. I think for a second he considered going drain pour on that, uh, on that one. That's probably right. why he didn't do a, a reading on that one. Yeah. He probably opened it up and was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I guess he at least tasted it because he said, it smells like farts right now and isn't sweet enough to constitute me wanting to really keep it or gift it. So yeah. hopefully he'll he'll let it sit for a little while longer. You can always back sweeten that stuff. It's pretty easy to do. Because after all, it has been only 10 days. Right. So yes. in the grand scheme of things, that is a very young, young beer. Yes, indeed. Young, Young beer. beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
or wort. Meanwhile, Sawyer <laughs> continues his diet. Yes, Sawyer's also not here, and probably will not be until, you know, for the the given future. But anyway. yeah. So today we're talking about beers from Colorado. Um, I'm wearing my shirt today. Gosh, what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm anything. wearing my shirt. Are you wearing pants too? I Gosh. actually have a Colorado shirt. I didn't wear it. Didn't think about that until I saw yours. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, so <clears throat> that was kind of my my travels, even though we didn't do a Chris's Travels episode, really. Mm-hmm. Um, Sir Carr and I went up to Colorado a couple summers ago and, and went to like 15 different breweries in like two days. Uh, <laughs> just I had a blast. Oh, yeah. So uh, knowing that we were doing this episode today, I did a little bit of research. and did a little bit of research. Because I was curious what the... Because everybody knows that Colorado is like the mecca for craft beer. It's kind of where the whole thing exploded. Yeah. And so I was curious what the number of breweries, like per square foot or something, per square mile, or, you know, some kind of reference for size of state. Breweries per capita? Well, that's based on population. <laughs> okay. Um, I was looking for square footage or square mileage because right. I know that, you know, Colorado's not one of the bigger states. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got decent size, but it's it, not nearly as big it's a as. square. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find that number. But I did mm-hmm. find the per capita. Yes. So, I mean, you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt as far as population of a state and, and all of that. But um, couldn't find anything for 2018 because obviously 2018 is not done yet. Right. But uh, for 2017, uh, craft beer breweries per capita in the United States, they did this based on um, per 100,000 people aged 21 years and older. Okay. Any guesses on the state that has the most breweries per capita of 21 and up? I was completely surprised. Huh. <laughs> oh, so that's out of all 50 states. Yes, out of all 50. Any idea what the the one with the most breweries per capita is? Got to think about this one for a second. Well, it makes sense that it would be a smaller one. Yes. With large populations such as New Jersey or Delaware. Right. Um, because New York has a big population, but it also has a pretty sizable amount of just countryside as well. I will tell you that Texas is like number forty nine uh, behind Alaska. Well, Alaska has it's, a- it's uh forty seven forty six. Yeah, forty six with one point three breweries per one hundred thousand. Okay. Okay. Um, the lowest is Alabama and Georgia, tied with point nine. Alabama has always had some really restrictive <laughs> beer laws, so I think I think they just finally started allowing home brewing recently in Alabama, which is interesting. I saw a, a, a show on that the other day. It was actually <laughs> kind of interesting. I'm gonna go with Florida. Um, I think that's gonna be my most per capita. Ooh. Because it's high population and lots of retired people that like to drink, so it makes sense there'd be a lot of breweries there. I will take... Florida's 44th. Way off. Yeah, you Wow. <laughs> I will take... Utah's 43rd, if that surprises you. Yeah, well, actually, <laughs> I'd expect them to be a little bit lower. Uh, but let's see. I will take Michigan. 
Michigan is 10th. Mm. At least I was top 10. Better than 4.5. Wow. Yeah. Number one, with a whopping 11.5. There's a big spread because number two is 9.6. Tell me it's like <clears throat> Delaware or something. Vermont. Vermont. Oh. Vermont has 11.5 breweries per 100,000 you know, now, now, now that I think about it, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. Lower population. And there are, I mean, as far as I know, a few pretty good breweries up in Vermont. I know that that's where, that's where the New England IPA craze started to kind of catch on, right, up in Vermont. Yeah, the Alchemist, yeah. I think, is based out of there. Yeah, something like that. Huh. Interesting. Number two is Montana. Oh, you know what? They were on my short list of guesses. I kind of wanted one of those like random like lower population. I ended up going up. I ended up going up with Michigan, like lower population state. But you know, <laughs> I also know they have a lot of beer up there. Montana and Maine tied with nine point six. Okay. So then number four, Oregon, with eight point five. Not shocking. Oregon. And then in fifth is Colorado with eight point four. Okay. Um, the number of actual breweries that I found in Colorado was 371. We've got a lot of beer to drink, guys. <laughs> 371. <laughs> and there's around 100,000 square miles. So if we do 371. Now, some of those are satellites. Like, Breckenridge has two breweries in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Oscar Blues has two Right. Um, you know, so a couple of those yeah. kind of things. So I think the actual... Where was that number? Well, Colorado also has, like, the benefit of having a lot... Like, you know, they really only have one major, major city, and that's Denver. But they have a lot of, you know, mid-range cities, like... You know, Boulder, good college town. They've got Fort Collins. They've got Colorado Springs. You know, they've got a lot of like mid-size cities that aren't like hugely major cities, which are probably pretty good spots for craft breweries to just kind of take hold and you know grow. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's something interesting. Uh, let me count this real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. California's twenty-fourth per capita with 2.6 however they have the most breweries by far oh yeah of of any state with 520 yeah mm. not surprising and, uh the actual brewery count in colorado is 252 okay so that's how many duplicates there are interesting now these are from two different sources so maybe the numbers don't perfectly match up but um hmm. texas has 160 uh, Vermont has 29. So the, <laughs> the one that has the most per capita is one of the lowest. Um, we did uh, South Dakota last week. They have eight. Wow. We did more than 10% of the beer in South Dakota last week. <laughs> they have eight breweries? <laughs> eight breweries. Wow. Eight breweries. Um, so, yeah. Now, for cities, because you were talking about cities, yeah, uh, the city with the most breweries within its city limits is Portland, Portland. with seventy-eight, Golly, and then Denver one. with sixty-three, and then third is San Diego with sixty-one. Yep, all three of those line up. So it's kind of interesting that 
you know, Denver is really tight packed with its breweries, mm-hmm. but then Colorado itself, even though we all kind of know that as the craft brewery, like mecca starting point, mm-hmm. if you will, um, not at the top anymore. Maybe they just got so saturated that people are afraid to open up new breweries there. I'd imagine that it's a uh, it's a daunting task to open up a new brewery in Colorado for sure. Uh, and you know, especially if you don't have like just mountains of cash to throw at the thing, right? Um, because you're gonna have to spend a lot on just marketing to get people into your doors. Um, you know, I think that the uh, fact that California has by far more breweries. I mean, it is by far a bigger state with a much larger population. Um, also has the benefit of San Diego, which has had you know a similar ca- craft beer boom as Colorado has mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so I'd say, you know, like, it, it, it makes sense that Colorado is where it is just based on, you know, what they are in general. Um, you know, being third is, as far as, uh, you know, with Denver being third on the list, that's nothing to shake your head at considering yeah. how many major cities there are out there. <laughs> well, I mean, just, just to say a couple of states as far as number of breweries. So we already said California has 520. Mm-hmm. Colorado, 252. Um, New York has 214. Pennsylvania, okay. 236. Um, those are the only ones in the 200s. Hmm. Uh, Hawaii has 15. Alaska has 22. <laughs> Florida, 145. Okay. Uh, North Carolina, 170. South Carolina, 50. Interesting split between those two. Yeah. Mason-Dixon um, line got a hold of that one. <laughs> Michigan, 167, and then just south that, Ohio, 118. A little further over, Illinois, 137. But then right in the middle, Indiana, there's only 89. Huh. So, it, you know, looking at the map and the numbers is definitely um, interesting. It doesn't um, always make sense. No, no, it doesn't. Geographically. Uh, there's 12 in D.C., in Washington, D.C., yes, huh? there's 12 in D.C. Hmm. Well, that'll explain a lot of decisions coming out of there. <laughs> by gosh. Now, probably by, by square mileage, that's probably significant. Oh, yeah. D.C. is not huge. Like <laughs> Which is probably why they didn't do the by the square mileage. Yeah. Because, you know, Texas is huge, and it only has... 100-something. Yeah. 157 or something like that. You know, a lot of which are going to be... A lot of which are going to be within the... Three or four major cities, I'd say. Yeah, I'd and say, then you've got yeah. Alaska only has twenty two, so it'd be the lowest. Yeah, yes, by, by far. far. So, anyway, but then again, they only have like two or three population centers in Alaska. Right. So, <laughs> so anyway, that's interesting. I just remember on the trip to Colorado, um, you could toss a stone and hit a brewery. Yeah, you know, it's like Starbucks. There were like three on every corner. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was kind of surprised to to look at those numbers and and see that they weren't at the top as far as number of breweries or per capita, right? So, anyway. so major disclaimer: since there's only three of us and we can only drink so many beers in one episode, <laughs> we are probably going to leave off your favorite whatever Colorado brewery. Yes, because there are a ton of really good ones. Mm-hmm. No, we are not saying that we're going to feature all of the best ones. Not even by far. We just have a small handful <laughs> of things that are readily available in our area. Yes. Like when I was up there, my favorite brewery by far was Prost. I remember and that. And they don't distribute. I've, I've never seen it down here now. They don't distribute. 
um, Twisted Pine does not distribute anymore. They're up there. Mm-hmm. But um, we have featured them recently. Yes. Yes, we have. Um, but anyway, so it is what it is. We just grab what we could, and, and we'll go from there. Yep. Anything else, or shall we get started? Well, I think I think I'm ready to roll. We can go ahead and say thank you to our listeners. Oh, that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. we do appreciate you very yeah. much. Sorry, I got real excited about my research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my numbers! Wait, we do. Research it was interesting. I was very, I was very interested to read all of that. Oh so. yeah. Anyway, yes, thank you to our listeners. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button and shoot us an email. Leave some comments on on iTunes or or wherever, and tell us what state to do next. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And give us some uh, some ideas on on what beers or what breweries to try. We're always open to suggestions. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Let's get to it. All right. So, our first beer uh, was canned in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Wait. But this is Colorado. But but this is the Colorado episode, guys. Yeah. Did I mess up? Crap. Ah, oh, boy. Way well, to go, Powers. Yeah, well, look right there. It has a Texas on the can. Redo. <laughs> it also says Austin, Texas down on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> well, while it may have been canned in Austin, Texas, that's because this particular brewery has been looking to expand their operations because they become wildly popular. And yes, you've heard them on Brews in the News before. You've probably heard us talk about a few of their beers. It's Oscar Blues. Probably one of the more prolific Colorado breweries out there these days, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And their brewery is super chill. Oh, yeah? It was awesome. Probably one of my favorite, like, ambiances while I, we were there. I loved it. Man, I, I got I to gotta make that Colorado road trip yeah, one day. My goodness. Uh, so the one that we're going to be drinking today is the Mama's... It's yellow. Little yellow pills. <laughs> uh, ringing in at 4.7% alcohol by volume. Um, not much else on the can. It's a yellow can. Uh, has Or is it gold? It's yellow gold. <laughs> uh, it's a mountain pilsner, and you know this is mahogany. No, Chris. No, no, sorry, not at all. And yes, this mountain pilsner. It's interesting. Wonder. I mean, it's a Czech pills. Is it? Is it Rocky Mountain cold? Do Do the mountains turn blue? Oh God. <laughs> Brewed with water as crisp as the Rockies. <laughs> There's not much else going on on the can. Um, so, I mean, this, you know, we've all had this beer before, so we all oh, know yeah. what to expect. It's fantastic. It's a, uh, you know, it's a Pilsner. This Let's huge. drink it. I mean, smell it. Sm- I mean, look at it. <laughs> Sire, get it straight. This one is uber clear, yes. which I'm not surprised. No. Pilsner, it's a golden yellowish colored you know it's actually a little darker than i would expect uh for a pills they're usually a little bit lighter with like a this is this is more of a gold color than a, like yeah, a straw color yeah than like a real light yellow yeah i can see that um but the the white head persists oh yeah very very much so not a whole lot in the aroma a little um, bit a little bit of kind of crackery notes yeah. i guess yeah yeah definitely some some cracker um, I wouldn't say a whole lot of, of hop character in the aroma. If anything, you know, with it being a Czech Pills, it's going to be that floral, um, yeah, you know, thing. 
yeah <laughs> that floral thing kind of yeah. some softer hops as opposed to the german hops which are more spicy and, mm-hmm. and uh, up front yes yeah this is uh moving on to the flavor you get uh, you get a little bit more of that floral on the flavor oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah. real nice floral bouquet in, in the flavor mm-hmm. uh, but you still get that crisp crackery clean lager character mm-hmm. too very light on the tongue. Oh, just yeah. <clears throat> good carbonation level too. It's not like way over the top. Nah, um, but it is. It is crisp and, and has some of that. Not a whole lot of carbonic bite, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's very refreshing. It really is. This is for certain a summer go-to beer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oscar Blues makes a lot of really good beer. Dale's Pale Ale. Yes, it's fantastic. Um, and then obviously they've got Ten Fifty, mm-hmm. which we talk about a lot. Um, but as far as the, I just need a real nice, easy six pack to, you know, take to the lake or whatever. This is perfect. Oh yeah, yeah. I think this is a good American, Americanized version of the Czech Pills mm-hmm. style because uh, it's not as super clean and crisp and soft as you get from like Pilsner or Kell. Uh, because it does have a little bit more of a fuller flavor uh, that you get from from the malt character, but that being said, it is very refreshing, and you do still get a lot of the hallmarks of the Pilsner style, uh, some of the clean, clean uh, lager, clean Jager least <laughs> characters. Uh-huh. You know, don't get too many esters. There might be some a little bit, but it's it's nowhere near uh, even worth mentioning. As a as a testament to the character of this beer. I mean, most of the time when we do these beers, we'll split, you know, like two cans or bottles, maybe maybe three, depending on how many people are here. Uh, this time, we all basically said, you know what, well, let's have a whole can of this. Cause, yeah. I can yeah. drink this all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, this would be uh, 3B in BJCP, Czech Premium Pale Lager. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's not technically a Czech Pills category, but this is where they would fall. Um, commercial examples, we don't get really any of them except for Pilsner or Kell. Hmm. Um, the rest of them are in Czechoslovakian. <laughs> okay. Actually, you know, there's Gambrinus Premium, which I don't think I've seen around here. Um, and then the rest of them are in Czech. And I can't <laughs> pronounce them. Lots of swish marks and, and ch- carrots. Yeah. And Not a lot of vowels. Like Bernard Svatiak. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but that's what it says. <laughs> uh, so overall impression, rich, characterful, pale Czech lager with considerable malt and hop character and a long, rounded finish. Complex yet well-balanced and refreshing. The malt flavors are a complex for a Pilsner-type beer, and the bitterness is strong but clean and without harshness, which gives a rounded impression that enhances drinkability. Um, and the style comparison it says, More color, malt richness, and body than a German Pils. With a fuller finish and a cleaner, softer impression. Stronger than a Czech pale lager. I may retract my statement then. Because a lot of things you talked about was the, the complex malt and rich character that you get from that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I talked about that I thought it was too much of an Americanized yeah. version because it was malty and rich and complex. And you yeah. just said all those things. I mean, sometimes we forget there's more difference between a German pills and a Czech pills than just the hop choice. Right, for sure. So, um, you know, German Pils is much more, I hate to say basic or more simple. Maybe less complex would be the right way to to say that. But I feel like that's kind of a hallmark of, like, German styles, though, is, you know, 
do your beer, follow the guidelines of the Reihainskabult, and, uh, you know, don't don't vary too much from that. So I think that's, like, more of a hallmark of just German beer, I guess. Because, you know, yeah, you can have, you know, there there are some styles that can be more complex from the German list, but for the most part, it's like, you know, wheat beer, you want wheat characteristics. Pilsner, you want Pilsner characteristics. You don't want anything going crazy there. Yeah. And doing, looking quickly between German Pils and the Czech Premium Pale Lager, mm-hmm. the Premium Pale Lager says body or the, the mouthfeel is medium bodied. Looking at German Pils, it says medium light body. Interesting. So there even is a you know, distinction there. Reading the style comparison for the German Pils, um, so the German pills would be lighter in body and color, drier, crisper, and more fully attenuated with more of a lingering bitterness and with higher carbonation than a Czech premium pale lager. Hmm. So it's lighter, more carbonated. <laughs> more hop character, malt flavor, and bitterness than international pale lagers. More hop character and bitterness with a drier, crisper finish than a Munich Helles. The Helles has more malt flavor, but the same character as the pills. Okay. So, it's, you know, you start talking about international light loggers. <laughs> right. And there's very, very slight sometimes differences between the different ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it usually just comes down to one characteristic ingredient change. Mm-hmm. And then everything else just kind of falls in place around that. Yeah. But, yeah, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of similarities in the flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's... That was one thing that I was hoping we wouldn't get on the test when we did the BJCP exam. Something like, you know, we get oh, right. a, we get a German pills and they say, judge this as a Czech pills. Right. It's like, crap. <laughs> that that would be really mean. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, you go to, to judge a contest and, you know, you can have the guidelines right there and you judge based on the guidelines. We can go take the test. It's all by memory. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you have to really rack your brain sometimes. <laughs> hmm. But anyway, <clears throat> this is a fantastic beer. This is really good. Um, I'm going to go on like a short five-second rant on Untapped. <laughs> okay. Because I don't know if this is a new thing, but I've discovered recently under the flavor profile, you know how we were talking about you can select the different things? There's now one that says Crushable. Oh, I saw that. I don't know if that was new that they added it, but I'd never seen it before this week. I, I saw it last week when we were looking through all their tags because we were trying to figure... You were trying to find Sweaty last right. week. Right, yeah. And I, I looked through trying to find it myself, and I couldn't find it either. And um, I did see Crushable there that at that point. How is that a flavor profile? Um, I don't... So they're going to put Crushable in there, but they're not going to have Sweaty, which is legitimate. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a little upset. Well, they might as well switch it to say poundable. Exactly. Or at least even it's we should younger have cousin. Because that is... <laughs> it's younger yeah. cousin bangable. <laughs> <laughs> we should have trademarked the poundability rating. I think we still can. This oh, is a good story here. Mm. What? Who was that? That was... Uh... <laughs> Play it again. It was... I don't know who it is. This oh, is a good story here. Is that, was that Jeremy? No. No. It was a special guest. It's not Kurt. 
Special guest that's like a recurring guest or no, one time? No, one time. Was it one of the Strange Union guys? Yes. Okay. I forget. Uh, okay. Because I, I, I have his voice in my head. I forget which one he was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It, it was one of the Strange Union guys. I got a few uh, drops in them. The Bubble and Squeak was the other one. Oh, yeah. Bubble and Squeak. Yeah. Bubble and Squeak. Bubble and Squeak. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Um, <clears throat> we'll have to have them out again sometime. So BJCP rating on Mama's Little Yellow Pills. Well, first... My palatability rating. <laughs> this we have a, a structure ten. to keep. Ten. They're in the right order. Yeah, this is a pretty easy ten. Yeah. I, I think that's not at all surprising, given <laughs> what we've said about it so far, right? Yeah, poundability is going to be a 10. Crushability. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and then BJCP on this one, yeah, it's going to be pretty straightforward. This is could easily be a 40. A commercial example, I believe. After going through the guidelines again, tasting it some more, thinking about you know, comparing what I taste to what I read, yeah, this is a great example of it. And without having any other check pills other than Pilsner Urkel as a reference, yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to... To make the comparison, but I've, I'd actually I'd buy this over a Pilsner Kell. Ooh, them fighting words. <laughs> I mean, it's it's local-ish. <laughs> yeah, it says Austin, Texas, on the can. Yeah, and they put the little state logo on there. Yeah. All right. Good one to start off with. Yeah. Thanks, Austin. I mean, uh, Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, what's next? Well, I'm glad you asked. We actually have another beer from, uh, uh, looks like Colorado. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, this is also what I would consider to be one of the OGs of Colorado craft brewing. Okay. Because uh, we featured Oscar Blues, and they're definitely early on the list. Yeah. For sure. And another one. They, well, I was going to say, just as a point of reference, when did Oscar Blues oh, sure. open up? Yeah, so they um, they started as a brew pub in Lyons in 97, but didn't start brewing beer out of their basement until 99. So 1999 is where I would say that the Oscar Blues beer can be quoted okay. as starting. So When did they start telling the truth? <laughs> in Lyon? Uh, yeah, because they were Lyon. Oh, yes. And as a point of reference for local... Texas DFW people. Um, RAR opened in 2004, I believe. So mm-hmm. that those are like early, early on craft brews. You know, the last five, ten years, everything just exploded. So, oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, the one we're going to feature now is called Ska Brewing. S K A Ska, just like, the, like music. The, uh, the music style. And I do remember seeing those cans on uh, on the shelf whenever I started drinking, uh, probably about ten years ago. If not, uh, if not before, but they are out of Durango, Colorado, and today we are featuring their Ruby Soho. Ruby Soho, as in the uh, the famous song from Oh the Ramones. Hold on, I just realized rancid. No, ah, rancid. Crap. <laughs> yep, rancid. I just realized who this brewery is. Okay, so we've, like Travis, you said before, we've we've done them uh, on the podcast once before. The Pinstripe Red Ale, yes. Modus Hopper Andy mm-hmm. is also their beer. Really, that their IPA, 
I drink that all the time. I had no idea who. I thought it was um, like Avery or something. But no, that's Ska. Okay, so that makes sense. So yeah, I, I've, I th- I've seen I them around thought, for a long time. I think I thought that was like Odell or something. Yeah, hmm. something like that. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, cool. I like that IPA. It's good. Yeah, I think this is a, a fairly new release for them because I have I'm not familiar with it, but uh, it is a grapefruit lager on untapped list as a Hellas base, but it's also brewed with grapefruit, and it's listed at five point one percent. And there's pictures of like women on the can, which is cool. <laughs> I like the I lip like up fatty women, lip up fatty. Is it a real can? <laughs> it is. Wow, as far as I know. But uh, on their website, there's just a little blurb about their history. Uh, and of course, Ska is, is kind of an, hop, uh, an offshoot of punk rock. So a lot of a lot of the things that they list on the can all has kind of a comic book slash punk rock vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story so far, somewhere out in Colorado in the year 1995, two guys named Dave <laughs> and Bill learned that while they loved gulping down beer, they weren't yet old enough to buy it. They figured an answer to the quandary would appear if they drank enough and listened to enough thinking music, also known as ska. On the second scotter day of Scottember, it hit them. If they brewed their own beer, they'd have all the beer they could ever want. And while they were at it, why not brew the most magnificent suds ever quaffed in their neck of the woods? Quaffed? Or any, uh, any other neck, for that matter. So, it seems like... They first started the process of becoming a brewery in 95, hmm. but it doesn't say when they opened. I would assume it would be a few years later. Yeah, because on the website, the first thing I see is, Scott Brewing, open, 4.30 to 9. <laughs> well, I would assume they did not actually open their operations at 4.30 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and it would make sense they didn't open their business while they're still too young to actually be drinking what they produced. But uh, 95 is when they started the process to become a business, I suppose. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> they may or may not be older than Oscar Blues. But it stands to reason that they are from the same kind of era of craft For brewing, sure. which pre-craft would be craft boom. Pre craft boom. Exactly. <laughs> So let's uh, let's take a look at the beer. It's kind of a similar color to the last one oh, we yeah. had. It's basically the same color yeah, and the same clarity too. Really, mm-hmm. this is a lager, right? Yeah, it's it a is. Hellas. It's a Hellas okay. lager, Munich Hellas base style with grapefruit added. Yeah. Woo. Yep. There's grapefruit in there, all right. There's grapefruit in them dar hills. <laughs> the aroma is like, like I just opened and peeled a, a fresh grapefruit i mean you know I, I think i was you know i was talking about this when, when you're talking about a lager like a hellas lager there's not going to be a lot to hide like you know there's not gonna be a lot for that grapefruit to hide behind like you put grapefruit in an ipa you have some hop character that can kind of complement it or go along with it mm-hmm. um the grapefruit in this is front and center without really much else happening <laughs> on the uh, at least the aroma for sure it's unapologetically grapefruit <laughs> trying to even detect any malt character on that and this being a munich lager i'd assume that that's going to be more muted given our conversation earlier right like any malt character we get 
Well, you know, that's a good point. Let's uh, let's refer to the guidelines on what the base beer should be, which is for a Municalis. Overall impression, a clean, malty, gold-colored German lager with a smooth, grainy, sweet, malty flavor and a, dr- a soft, dry finish. Subtle, spicy, floral, or herbal hops and restrained bitterness help keep the balance malty but not sweet, which helps make this beer a refreshing, everyday drink. Mm-hmm. So, compared to the other ones, uh, style comparison, it lists Munich Dunkel, that doesn't help us. More body and malt presence than the German Pils, with less hop character throughout. Similar malt profile as a German export beer, but with less hops in the balance. So, whereas the Czech Pils had kind of like a rich, complex, bready, malty right. character, this one is more moderately malty start mm-hmm. with the suggestion of sweetness. Yeah. So, like just a less hopped version of a German Pils. Yeah, this is very much just kind of a straightforward base beer. So, uh, pretty much easy drinking session one. If you're, if you're doing your Munich lager, your, your Helles lager... You know the way you're supposed to, and then you add stuff to it like grapefruit, which is a strong flavor. Um, you know, pretty much it's going to come through a lot. It's going to come through like crazy, <laughs> and that is definitely what happens here. And it does. You're right. <laughs> yeah, the grapefruit comes through. Um, I'm assuming that they compared the color of the grapefruit meat. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> I think Powers is hungry. I heard that from over here. Yeah, I did too. Goodness, <laughs> I, I ate got that recording. <laughs> You gotta eat before Gubbier, man. <laughs> yeah, Somebody said that to Fridos. He was puking off the back of Rar's uh, loading dock. <laughs> it was food poisoning, by the way, because he and I both had it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. Yeah. Not that bad. Not that bad. Yeah, the, uh, the actual meat color of the grapefruit is also ruby reddish colored, so maybe there's a little time there with the name and the fruit that they opted to use for this one but yes this is very much a grapefruit forward grapefruit uh, heavy beer as far as the aroma and flavor now i will say whenever we first cracked it open and i poured it the grapefruit aroma was very pungent yes it has died off a bit the aroma itself is not as strong as it was when we first opened it yeah um, however, the flavor remains unchanged. <laughs> no, the the tartness of the grapefruit is prevalent. I'll say that. Yeah, I, it's. I mean, being a, a a lover of sour beers and and such, I would barely even call this tart. Oh, uh, fair. Um, but I mean, that's just my taste. Um, but I could see how it could be perceived as tart because it is very much grapefruit. Yeah. Um, maybe like sweet tarts. <clears throat> it's, but it's not really that sweet either, which it's, is it's, it's strange. I mean, the, all the grapefruit, flute, grapefruit. grapefruit flavor <laughs> is there without the sweetness or the overly tart. It's, it's citric. Fruity. <laughs> yes. It's uh, it's citric, I'd say. Yeah. It's not necessarily yeah. tart or sweet. It's just citrus. Mm-hmm. I'll give I'm them getting. props that it does have a really true natural grapefruit character. It's not like oh, yeah. an artificial sweetener. No. Nope. Oh, yeah. like it's you know you taste it, you close your eyes, and it's like you got a whole slice of grapefruit in front of you and you just dove into it. I actually quite like this. Yeah. I do too. As soon as you said 
grapefruit, I was a little hesitant, but I, it's quite enjoyable. I wouldn't say it's nearly as poundable as the little yellow pills, but still pretty good. Yeah, this is... Uh, once you get used to it, I think it becomes a little bit more tolerable, I think. Um, not, I, And I don't even want to say tolerable, because that just means that I'm like tolerating it. I'd you say, get used to it, and it's easier to drink as you drink it. Exactly, yeah. You know, this might be a new entry-level to people who are hesitant about tart or sour beers because it does have that citric note like Powers is talking about mm-hmm. without being overly, ooh, that burp was straight up grapefruit. <laughs> We've all got some um, things going on today. <laughs> copious amounts of passion fruit. <laughs> yes, passion fruit. Great, great fruit. Yeah, this is a good summer beer. It's, it's like you're sitting outside with your glass of iced tea and you put a slice of lemon on it you just uh-huh. have a, a little essence of the fruit flavor and a little touch of the tartness and it's enough to to make a difference in the overall character but it's not just like so much fruit that that's all you get yeah it was at the beginning that's all i was focusing on but now that i'm looking at other things i'm realizing that it's it's more to it than just that yeah it's, it's not like if you take the grapefruit and squeeze it into a glass and drink it that would be tart and mm. You know, like crazy, but this is very, very much well, I wouldn't say well balanced, but mostly balanced. So comparing (laughs) this to another grapefruit beer that I, you know, used to drink actually quite a bit when it would come around, just talking about the Shiner Ruby Red, um, because that one has a lot of like ginger and coriander to match with it. I think I prefer this presentation, Um, you know, not trying to add too much to it uh i think it's a lot cleaner uh i think that the grapefruit kind of presents itself pretty well it's still refreshing really i don't uh i don't think it's you know i i I think it's actually you know not not nearly as refreshing as the pills but it's it's definitely something that i could do in you know a summertime on the porch you know i can alternate these two very easily i think so yeah like if I'm going to be outside for a while and I want something a little with a little more flavor profile and a little bit of that tartness, yeah, because, I can alternate these very easily. Because like with that shine with the Shiner Ruby Red, there's just a lot going on. Like you, you know, it's not you know, it, it doesn't let you just kind of sit and enjoy it. It it, it kind of hits you with that coriander a lot, from mm-hmm. what I remember. Uh, this is just straight up clean presentation. This is a lager, it has a squeeze of grapefruit in it, and you know if you like it, you know it's going to be really nice and refreshing for you. The ginger and the shiner has always been a turnoff for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just as another quick little point of reference, mm-hmm. a quick Google search. Shiner opened its doors in the year 1909. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they <laughs> plaster that over every bit of labeling they have, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. What is it? Texas's oldest brewery or something? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> so, they were a good 90 years ahead of of oscar blues <laughs> oh yeah uh, but anyway so what's your poundability on the grapefruit ruby soho so what's your poundability poundability i can give it an 8.5 i was gonna go with eight yeah. yeah i think i could do that too because it's it's still easy enough and enjoyable and refreshing enough that you could just you know keep drinking it just like you would a lemonade. Mm-hmm. You know, you get halfway yeah. through a lemonade, you realize, oh, okay, it might be a little sour, but you keep drinking it. Mm-hmm. 
Same Maybe with this a little one. more sugar to it. I go with an eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess it's cool. a good one. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm impressed. Usually grapefruit beers are kind of like, eh. Cool, because they, st- like, you know, and I guess they just start adding stuff to them, you know? I think that's, well, I, I mean, think that's kind of like. I think most, I would, if I were to guess a number, 90% of the grapefruit beers I've had have been IPAs. That too. You know, and it gets to the point where, okay, maybe a little bit of grapefruit. Yeah. You know, but this is like, oh, no, that's that's grapefruit. Yeah. <laughs> You know, according to the official Ska Brewing Wikipedia page, Ooh. it does say that they were founded in 1995. Okay. It doesn't say that it opened in 1995. It just says founded. That's all I can find. Hmm. So, uh, take that for what it's worth, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe they submitted their business and got the LLC made in 95 and then... <laughs> I don't know, but but before anybody realized, like, hey, these are a couple of nineteen-year-old kids that are trying to open a brewery. <laughs> yeah, but they got their forms in in line and fishing. and they actually have like a payment for the fees. So, well, you know, <laughs> let's just go ahead and move this right. Let's just say that. Have you ever been carded buying brewing ingredients? Buying brewing ingredients? Well, yeah. No. Are you no. supposed to get carded? Well, you're making <clears throat> alcohol. I do know. Um, <clears throat> When you buy like the kettles and the equipment online, they will usually require a signature by somebody twenty-one and up. Mm. Upon delivery, I'm guessing. Yeah, I've oh. I've read that in the fine print before. Okay. I that don't know. Seems if every like place, overkill. I don't. I, don't I, I mean, I don't know if every place is like that, but I, I have read that, uh, which is one of the reasons why I don't buy equipment online. I'll just go to Stubby's. Hmm. But I would, that'd be a question I'd be interested to ask Stubby. He's like, hey, do you ever card people for buying ingredients? I'd be interested I, to hear his there's, response. There's not any laws against no. making. You just can't purchase. Yeah. And there's no laws against selling grain to anybody well, because that would be silly. It It's, you know, or the on yeast. The, the impetus of whoever buys it to not do something illegal with it. And then, I mean, it's, it is it is illegal for minors to possess alcohol, but before it's alcohol, it's yeah. just grain. Sugar and, water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can take sugar fertilizer water. and turn that into some sort of explosive, but every time I take a poo, I don't get charged or carded. So. <laughs> yeah. But they do charge you when you're buying things like whiteout and sharpie markers you have to be 18 technically to purchase those because they don't want kids huffing that crap well right but i'm saying like <laughs> there's there's rules against that but not purchasing ingredients and yeast to make beer i don't know i just random side tangent yeah it's okay yeah the, <laughs> to some extent it's okay to to limit that like for example you know i know you, you can use sudafed to make meth because i learned that on breaking bad <laughs> And, you know, there's some, some levels of Sudafed that you do have to provide ID whenever you're purchasing mm-hmm. it. Or like... Uh, Just like with anything and else. And you're not allowed to buy pallets of Sudafed from your local Walgreens. Painkillers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and whatnot. All right, so BJCP. Assuming entered as a fruit beer with Hellas as the base. Yes. Um, I do really like the grapefruit character. I'm not getting much... As far as the Hellas character, I think it might be a little overpowering. So the I, score I, super high. I wouldn't be able to say anything about how good or how poor of a Hellas base spirit is. And there's no harmonious marriage between those two, right? 
But it's clean. Yeah. I mean, for a lager, that in itself is... There's no off flavors at all. Yeah. So I would... And I, I don't think that those kind of off flavors would be something that you could just completely hide with the grapefruit. You might mask some of it, but if you dig deep enough, you could probably find it. But I'm not getting any of that. Yeah. Of course, they're a commercial brewery, so they wouldn't. But right. Either way. Yeah. The more I drink it, the more I like it. I'd probably play it safe with a 35. See, I'd, I'd, I'd probably write down a 38, but could be convinced to go up if somebody says. I know. I could be talked to, talked up yeah. too. So it's it's solid. It's really it would be really hard to defend this beer, like you said, with the harmonious marriage, because you can't pull out the Hellas character. But a Hellas in and of itself is extremely tame. Pretty nice. So I mean, that's why people use things like blondes and Hellases to do their fruit beers because they want the fruit to come out and be prominent. So I couldn't knock it, you know. And they do feature the uh, the added ingredient yeah. quite well, yeah. Which is usually the point. So I, you know, I would not argue with uh, low forties for this. It's just it's clean. It's easy to drink. It, yeah. It's really good. The grapefruit's not overpowering, which is very easy to do with grapefruit. Um, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty dang good. Thanks, Scott. Yeah. mm Hmm. What's next? Well, I'm glad you asked, because this next brewery is one that's taken a little bit of a beating historically on our podcast, and so I wanted to go ahead and give them another chance, and since we're talking about their state, uh, I figured this was the perfect opportunity to do that. It is from... This tastes a lot like Hackershore. Is it that one? No. No, it's not Hackershore. They definitely haven't taken a beating on this podcast. Shiner... It's not Shiner. (laughs) (laughs) Sawyer... Talks about Hackershore with high praise anytime he talks about them. No, this is Epic Brewing Company out of Denver, Colorado. Um, so this is the Rhino IPA, APA, Rhino APA out of Epic Brewing. It rings in at a 5.8% ABV. And as a little blurb on the on the can, it says, Our home in the River North District of Denver is covered with vibrant and creative murals. It's home to artists, musicians, brewers, and innovators. This beer captures the rhino's creative spirit with its bright, juicy hops and laid-back attitude. Sit back, relax, and be inspired. Uh, this is a juicy American Pale Ale, so we should be expecting some juice notes, maybe kind of like a a haze bro type of type of feel here. How much else I can? It's got a nice polygonal rhino. Polygonal? Yes. Look at it. It's very geometric on the can. Mm. Yeah, you see. And yeah, it's you know, is that our ten dollar word for the day? Yeah, polygonal. Uh, I will say, <clears throat> um, the regular rhino pale ale. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had at the brewery, yeah, and I actually gave that one a three point two five. Okay, so I don't know if this is like a more recent to kind of get into the whole juicy IPA APA craze, right? Might be. Yeah, just like the same recipe, but then tweak it to make yeah. it more. Because I haven't I haven't seen this one before, right? So I don't know how how new it is in their distribution. Hmm. But, Interesting. Um, yeah. 
so yeah this is this is epic brewing uh maybe not your favorite colorado brewery but definitely one that has a story to tell untapped does have this one listed as a new england pale ale new england pale ale if that tells you anything it's got 4500 ratings too so huh okay and the uh, the regular rhino has 4700 hmm oh but see i don't ever remember seeing the rhino pale around here no i have not either i haven't rated it or seen it yeah oh did i just okay yeah <clears throat> okay that's the regular rhino <clears throat> and it's their classic series and this is the rhino label. juicy yeah oh interesting did you just check in the wrong one no i actually <laughs> didn't finish my check-in <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> so yeah it's two different beers um so uh this I'm, next one <laughs> so yeah i'm interested to see uh what kind of juicy new england character we get out of it it's a little hazy mm, yeah a little but i wouldn't say milky like not used to seeing on yeah. new england stuff not on the level of a uh, turning point no beers kind of um, the same color that we've been getting yeah all around that same kind of goldish color mm-hmm. dark gold yeah yeah hazy with a white head i definitely get the juice and the citrus kind of character and the aroma yes yep yeah definitely a fruity nose for sure you say like maybe a a mango tangerine kind of situation yeah it's a mixture between some citrus notes and, and tropical fruit, fruit. <laughs> uh, some of the sweeter fruits this one seems to be blending some hops in there quite a bit more what you would expect from an American pale ale yeah I could detect some dank notes as well yeah in mm. the background fantastic Super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm not getting a whole lot of dank in the flavor. No, I'm getting more juiciness. Not juicy, but like citrus. Yeah. Like, it's I, citrus. It's relatively juicy. Okay. It, it just does well, it doesn't have that same, like, <coughs> thick feel, I guess. As the like, pillowy mouthfeel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Mouth feels a little thin. Mm-hmm. For... A New England. Comparatively, any, yes. I mean, have we had a New England pale ale on the podcast before? I guess not. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about it once. Yeah, mm-hmm. we made a joke. Like, oh, this, <clears throat> instead of a New England IPA, this is more like a New England pale ale. Yeah. But um, apparently that's, that's a, a style on Untapped now, which... Okay. Untapped <laughs> is ahead of the curve on a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely has the fruity fl- uh, flavor. And then on the finish quite dry uh just like all the fruit sweetness disappears and you're just left with kind of bitter. a lingering bitter almost a fruit peel character pith yeah this yeah. might be a revenge of the pith kind of situation oh uh, uh. or it just sneaks up behind you <laughs> yeah i do get some like earthy hops like soil dirty on the finish if you're looking for that um, the malt character is like bread crust. It's not simply crackery or biscuity. It does have a slight, I, I don't want to go as far as saying toasty, mm-hmm. but kind of in between the two, which I don't think necessarily pairs well with the fruit. Yeah. Yeah, typically that's more of a, a European continental type of malt character. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about American pale ale, you want just the stock two-row grain. 
background. Maybe like a, a crystal forty, but not not really anything much darker than that. Because mm. you can still get some like crackery biscuity character from a really light crystal malt. Mm-hmm. But I think this has got something darker than that. Yeah. Even if you did use like a continental pale ale, you could still get the the biscuity crackery, and, yeah. and that's okay in a base style where the hops are supposed to come through a little more. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, edging on bread crust and and almost toasty, I think that'd be a little too much. Yeah. Which I mean, if you think about IPAs, you know, you balance the hop with a little bit more malt forward character. You can't just have two row in it. You have to have something else in there to balance that out. <clears throat> so maybe that's kind of where they were going with it. Just didn't quite went a little bit over the oh, over it right. Yeah, I I will say, um, as far as epic beers go, mm-hmm. this is probably one of the most drinkable ones. I'm sure Chris has told his story about his time at Epic Brewing on his trip to Colorado on the podcast, so it it was not impressive. <laughs> so this is, um, it's good. Was the one that you brought last time, is it the Tart and Juicy IPA, the Sour IPA? Was that I what you were talking about? Yeah, it wasn't mine. I mean, I, I wasn't here for that episode, but I saw your rating on it, and I was shocked because I actually hated that beer. <laughs> I, mean, I, was, I gave it a three, I think. Really? <clears throat> yeah. According to our website, we've featured two of their beers Oh. up until now. The Barley Wine episode, I remember that one. We did not like that one. Barley Wine release number 16, and we've also featured their New England-style IPA, Praise the Haze slash Pulp Addiction. So we've, that would have been on the New England IPA episode. We've also done... It was also done on the Session IPA episode. I could swear. Yeah, so um, we did we did the Tart and Juicy... Might not have updated since then. <laughs> we did the Tart and Juicy Sour IPA on the podcast. And the reason it says three on my untapped is because when I was in Denver, I gave it a two. And ah. I said not tart at all. And then here, I gave it a four. Of course, there's... Yeah two years removed between those two so something might have changed right so yeah i i I did like it um it was labeled as a sour farmhouse ipa so i gave it a four when we did it here and it was great when i tried it up there not even tart at all yeah i um i just i remember just not liking the sour ipa because i gave that one did I give it a three? Huh. Interesting. Either way, this one it's drinkable. I wouldn't say yeah. it's the best example of, of a New England whatever. If you no. you know, pale ale or, or IPA, but <clears throat> it's it's fine. Yeah. You don't have an issue with it, other than the, the malt and the, the really dry, bitter finish. That's really it. I find it funny that like we get surprised when a brewery does something right like this like not even like just like this but like you know when when we look back on our check-ins and we're like did i really rate that that highly from this brewery that's weird and that's kind of telling whenever you think about a brewery's reputation um well i mean we've we've trounced epic a lot yeah on this podcast 
Um, I would love to blame the fact that, you know, we're two states away from them. Three, depending on which direction you go. (laughs) We get get so much good beer from across the country. Right. But But I had it at the brewery, and it was not good. So, I, you know, I can't really... I don't have a a rhyme or reason to where that happens, but I just I've not been impressed mm-hmm. by most of their stuff. But this one's drinkable. Yeah, this one's pretty good. I don't hate it. Yeah, and that's that's important. It it's definitely okay to not like a brewery. Yeah, or to just you know not really appreciate what they do or how they do it. But it is important that when you do come across something that they do well, that you need to. You need yeah. to note that, and you mm-hmm. need to to actually give them the props where it's due. You know, because there's there's several DFW breweries that I don't care for. I've had enough to try from them, to, enough to form an opinion on them, which I think is is valid. But if I do happen to come across something that they do, and I'm like, this is actually good, then I make sure to to make a note on Untapped and a rate beer because I I want props due where <laughs> props are deserved. Mm-hmm. For sure. Now, apparently, however, so according to ooh, according to Epic's website, they are actually based in Utah. Really? So the um, there's a slash next to it. Well, I'm on their website. Utah slash Colorado. They're based in Utah. <laughs> um, the Kansas. They started an international okay. aquaculture company in Utah in 1992. <clears throat> in 2008. The Utah law changed, allowing these two entrepreneurs to pursue their longtime dream of opening a strong beer microbrewery in Utah. So that's where it originally started. Strong Doc Miles. David Cole, Peter Erickson started Epic Brewing. Okay. Uh, They opened in Salt Lake City, six fermentation tanks. In 2013, Epic expanded its brewery operations into Colorado. And the can that we do have with us says brewed and packaged by Epic Brewing in Denver, Colorado. So, I wonder it does still kind of count. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm not saying it doesn't. I just I wonder if they kind of moved because it says the Denver brewery offered enough space to support growing national distribution, expansion of the popular barrel aged beer programs, and the introduction of a line of sour beers. So I think maybe they were a little bit limited by their space in Utah. Yeah. And they kind of opened up a larger location and migrated to yeah, Colorado. I, I feel like Epic is much more well-known for being a, uh, a Colorado brewery, at least down here where we get their distribution. Yeah. I You know, when I was there, the building was pretty big. Right. They had a, a massive, uh, you know, brewing setup kind of behind the bar area and you could kind of see the fermentation tanks there behind a big glass wall but yeah um the the tap room wasn't that big hmm. uh, but it was packed so you know enough people in the area at least like their beer so that's fine interesting <laughs> to each other so own. what what is it the uh the bang abil- uh poundability <laughs> i give this one like a six yeah because i'm this one on the and finish. the last one both have a, a prominent fruit character, and the last one was pretty poundable. However, on this one... This one has a weird clash going on. This is a weird beer. <laughs> <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> you were searching for it, weren't you, Travis? I was thinking about it. Live drop. 
but yeah as as this one is also fruit prominent it doesn't meld as easily with the other things that are going on so that makes it less poundable certainly not as clean as the ruby soho right absolutely and not yeah part of that has to do with if it's a you know ale versus a lager mm-hmm. the but, lager's going to be cleaner by default yes but no at the same time it's not nearly as i think i've got to go with the 5.5 on this it's it's just got it's, it, it's just got a lot of clashing going on for me i think just doesn't doesn't lend well to pounding i think i could go up to a six I, but i'm right there with you their can doesn't say anything about what fruits or what hops or anything. Sit back, relax, and be inspired. Okay. <laughs> so for BJCP, if New England Pale Ale was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which it probably will be at some point. I know the the New England IPA already has provisional guidelines yeah. for the next iteration of BJCP. Um, so taking that same line of thinking this would be the pale ale version of that which would be more i guess you still get all the hazy notes but it should still be like a, a regular pale ale which is balanced between the malt and the hop character yeah it's missing the mouthfeel though yeah it doesn't have the the soft pillowy mouthfeel that we've come to expect from new england ipas it has kind of a harsh finish yeah and the fruit character doesn't leave you with a good uh, a good character I'd be like 31, 32 I think I'd be around that too because it does do some things well it does have a very prominent present juicy flavor mm-hmm. and aroma so that comes through well uh, it doesn't tie together to a full package very well but they do have a lot of good things going on yeah I think I could just go right at a 30 Cool. Hmm. Wow, we found an epic beer that's drinkable. <laughs> well, I guess two if you count the tart and juicy. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, good for you guys, Epic. Yeah. Maybe we'll see you again on the Utah episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Maybe forced to. Uh, <laughs> Alright, let's move on. So uh next up we have a beer from Avery. Uh they were established in nineteen ninety three, so we're getting older as we go here. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> what was that? That was my <laughs> old old man beer yell. Mm. Beer. Uh, so this is the real Back peel IPA. Right <clears throat> oh god! <laughs> this is the real peel IPA, uh, India Pale Ale with tangerine peel added, and the can says that it is seriously uh, peeling. Okay. Oh, I see what you did there. Six point three percent. There we go. That's all the can says. Cool. <laughs> Other than the uh, uh, <clears throat> Surgeon General's warning. And brewed with Rocky Mountain water, malted barley, tangerine peel, hops, and yeast. So it's also a mountain pilsner. Yes. Through the mountains. Oh, here we water. go. There's something on the side here. It's kind of like vertically written on the can inspired by a summer's day and crafted to crush year round our ipa twists real tangerine peel and citrusy hops into this juicy experience it's the real deal hmm 
They also use the word crush. Yeah, second time for maybe it's just a Colorado thing. Yeah. It, it's the crushing racket. Know, where's Untapped based out of? Now they've got <laughs> where's Untapped based out of? See that always thinks I always think about that as like a, ca- a California surfer crush, like crushing it, bro. Yeah, I just, bro. I just wonder if they've got their spine <laughs> because they've got their orange crush. Oh. <laughs> And it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were gonna play. It should have been. I was on the I tab. I'm going That's the first thing I saw. I'm going towards uh, old REM song references here. Yeah, well. Yeah. All right. Oh so my. it's um, I'd say slightly <laughs> hazy. Not not nearly as hazy as the uh, the Rhino, but it's kind of cloudy. I guess. I have floaties. Do you? Mm, I I do too. Actually, yes. I have carbonation. No, I've got floaties. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. So I got them coming down here. Can and conditioned or dry hopped. I mean, I even got a top pour too. Hmm. Yeah. Travis got both the bottom pours, but I got a top pour and I have floaties. Hmm. All right. Based on aroma, I already have a preconceived notion of this beer. <laughs> now it's um. But I will hold my tongue. Certainly, hop forward on the aroma. Hmm. Eh, I mean, it's a danker hop. It's not like it's that smell you get when you first pull down the drop down attic door. I mean, maybe musty. Yeah. This just smells old. Yeah. You know, it smells to me like a double IPA. Oh, geez. <clears throat> What is the OG? 10, 10, 50, 10, 60? All right, guys. It's time for when was this beer canned? Oh, God. Here we go. Total wine strikes again. Actually, no. This was H-E-B, wasn't it? Yeah, it was H-E-B. H- What's the date on the can? Total H-E-B wine strikes again. <laughs> okay, based on the aroma <laughs> based on the aroma and the, and the flavor, take a guess at when this beer was canned. Are we talking months or years? Take a guess. Uh, I'm going to say December 17. Hmm. Okay, so the aroma definitely has some of the old character that I usually think about when I have like an old beer. Like I, I say Play-Doh or Clay whenever I hmm. get a really old beer. And I pick some of that here. Uh, knowing that it's supposed to be an IPA and also with tangerine peel, which should be fairly fresh and vibrant, and I'm not getting that. I'm going to say this is at least one year old. So I'm going to say this time last year. So August 17. Yes. Okay. Well, you were both correct on the fact that it was canned in 2017. Mm-hmm. However, uh, Travis does win price of right rules, price is right rules, because he came closest without going over. Because this beer was canned on May 19th, 2017. <laughs> Wow. I'm going to go ahead and say we can't actually judge this properly. That's uh, that's a fair statement. Yeah. I'm surprised. Because I, 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 I had this, and I was just like, I'm not impressed with this. This is a juicy IPA that is over a year old. Well, <clears throat> okay, so when I tasted it, it tasted like a double IPA with super malty with some hot bitterness to balance it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This tastes exactly like a double IPA 
without the alcohol. Yeah. So I can see what you're saying with the the hop. I mean, the brightness is gone. Yes. It's dull. But I'm surprised that we get something that's sold from HEB. Yeah. Usually their vendors come, like, v- vendors at places like that come through and yeah, they just I, scour their beers. And this is on an end cap, Ooh. which is where usually their, their fresh stuff yeah. is. Yeah. Huh. 2017. Interesting. It is real. It even says that on the bottom of the can. It is real. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's strange. It's amazing. No. I did also find out I pulled up next to a truck. Like a, a delivery truck for H-E-B. Y'all know what H-E-B stands for? Herman Edward Butts. <laughs> Hurst Euless Bedford. No, his last... Yeah, Powers is right. Yes! His last name is Butts. <laughs> so the truck said H-E Butts Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, I learned something new today. Butt beer. Yes. So, so this is a butt beer because i bought it at he butts <laughs> so i can still tell My that it's supposed not- to be very much i can still tell that this is supposed to be an ipa i still get bittering on it yeah no it, it's bitter it, it's it's not bad i still get some of the uh the tangerine character a little bit it's more kind of pithy than it is uh juicy mm, yeah the malt character is definitely prevalent Hence my my double IPA comment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not terrible. I think because I, I think I gave this like a three or a three and a half on Untapped, and drinking this fresh would probably put this in the four category. All right. Are we checking the dates on all the cans now? Yeah. <coughs> Just well, I was curious. So uh, the. The Oscar Blues was canned on March 29th of this year, 2018. So that's not too bad for a pills. This one, uh, the epic one, is good till 10-24-18. So that's still fine. The Ska has BB, so I'm assuming that's best by yeah. July 27th, which would be two days before this recording date. So, so it's, I mean, still yeah, within reason. It's not a year and two months old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I'm really upset because I'm a huge Avery fanboy. I know. And everything I've had from them has been great. This is just lackluster, but there's a reason for it. And their brewery is amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a super clean facility. It's... A, they spared no expense. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you said, it's still it's not bad. It's no. just not what it it's should be. It's not fresh. Mm-hmm. And I think having it fresh would go from the, the three to three and a half that it is right now mm. to a, a four plus. Yeah, I gave this a three point five, just three point two five on untapped. Because I was just like, man, this is because I hold them to a high standard, Avery. But I still recognize this as drinkable, but it's just... Hmm. Out of the, the 15 or so breweries that Sarkar and I went to over two weeks, mm-hmm. or two days that we were there, the only brewer I brought beer back from was Avery. Hmm. Um, and it was a lot. <laughs> uh, I, I was just super impressed with their facilities, with their the quality of their beer. And I knew they were good before I went up there, but when I had some of their brewery-only 
beers, I was completely blown away. Right. Um, and then Rumpkin totally just sealed that for us. <laughs> that was incredible. That was a great beer. Um, not going to lie, I looked for it. Wasn't expecting to find it because it's August. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but definitely next fall, just the next fall coming around, I'm definitely going to look for it. And I'm going to buy a couple of bottles, even though they're, you know. 15 bucks or 12 ounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I think it's closer to 18, but yeah. Yeah. I just, I love Avery. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, like, like we said before, I'm surprised that this one is that old, but it's still drinkable. Yeah. Like it's not, I wouldn't say this is amazing, but it's drinkable and it's over a year old. Yeah. Uh, but like Power said, it's not super fair to rate this, but this is also what was uh, sold to us and presented yeah. to us. Yeah. And yes. So this is what we have and so this is what we're going to rate. Uh, Avery needs to know that they have old beer still out in the market. Yeah. They got to get onto like, their vendor, like they their distributor to this podcast. They do, yeah. <laughs> so, what's your poundability rating on this one, huh? <laughs> Shockingly, it's four. Yeah, yeah, yeah four, yeah. four and a half. I wouldn't go that low. It's just it is kind of bitter and and bready. Yeah, that's what I. That's. What I've got on my mind too. It's not a whole lot of the tangerine. No. But as far as just the the poundability, it's it's not as pithy on the finish as the rhino was. So that would lead me to have a little bit higher of a poundability, but only slightly. Only only slightly. So I gave the rhino a six, this would be a six point five. Just slightly more poundable. I can give this a a five. I think I think the rhino just for the freshness, like because because something just tasting more fresh makes it more poundable to me. Even if it does have some weird like clashing of flavors in there, um, this just doesn't taste fresh, and it just ugh, mm-hmm. it gnaws at me while I'm drinking it. So I, I have to go a little bit lower than I gave the rhino, um, and five seems about right. Yeah, I can give it that. Never in my life, and I feel really dirty, like I just. You know, I don't like this. Yeah. That an epic... (laughs) Beat out an Avery. Like, I just don't feel right about it. Yeah. (laughs) Times are changing. But (laughs) this this whole thing is null and void because of how old this Avery beer is. It really is. And IPAs are supposed to be drank fresh. That's kind of the whole point. Yeah. Well, nowadays. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Back, you know, we've had the IPA conversation a bunch of times, and the whole reason the uh, style exists. But nowadays, you expect to drink an IPA fresh because you want that fresh hop character, um, which sure. we're definitely not getting in this. Nope. But kudos to Avery for brewing a beer, an IPA that's mm-hmm. still drinkable after over a year yeah i'm definitely not pouring this out so i'm <laughs> I'm finishing it it's drinkable i can you know and and heck if i were like if this were to come out of my fermenter i'd probably be okay with it oh yeah no for sure <laughs> i as a home brewer i'd be perfectly okay with this yeah um wouldn't be my favorite thing that i've brewed but i would definitely drink it oh yeah 
as far as BJCP, it'd be in the high 20s just because of the lack of tangerine character that they claim. So that's right. a big that's a big uh, knock. And the hop character. Yeah. There's not really a whole lot there. It's not vibrant and exciting like an IPA should be. But uh, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just not where it, it probably was this time last year. Yeah. It's, it's probably a totally different beer. Oh, yeah. When you I'm, approach it fresh, yeah. I'm gonna find this fresher somewhere and try it. Like I, I want to see what it's supposed to be, because I'm sure I can find it like Total Wine or something. Somewhere. And Avery, if you uh, if you hear this podcast, then we would love another shot at your beer. Send us a, a super fresh example, and of, we'll we'll give it an extremely fair shake of honestly everything you brew. <laughs> yes, please anything anything you brew, send it to us, and we will. Drink it. I absolutely love Avery. We're going to give them another opportunity to wow us. Okay. Uh, I have another beer that I brought from Avery that I know is good. Uh, the last time I had it was at the brewery, hmm. and um, it used to be a brewery only beer. And I actually brought one back with me, but I did find it also at AGB. Okay. Um, so let's crack that one open. All right. So we have the Raspberry Sour. From Avery, which is a sour ale with raspberries added, aged in oak barrels. It's actually the only thing we've had today that's not. Ah, crap. Luscious, ripe red raspberries (laughs) are elegantly intertwined with a bountiful amount of lactic acidity and delicate barrel nuances to cultivate this stunning sour ale. Oh, sexy. Brewed with Rocky Mountain water. Malted barley, imported specialty Belgian malted barley, red raspberries, hops, Saccharomyces yeast, Brettanomyces yeast, Lactobacillus, and Pediococcus. Ooh, I don't think we can say it last time on this podcast, but they had all four yeast strains. That is this beer. Murderer's row of souring yeast. Brettanomyces. Plus all four strains of yeast are in this beer. So we should expect this one to be a little sour. With some uh, barrel character. Now, I did have this one at the brewery, and it was fantastic. This is not the bottle, but um, I did bring this one back to share. And uh, it was just as good then. The first taste is with your eyes. They do distribute this one down here now. They didn't at that point. Lucky for us, this one was actually made the same time you took your trip a few years ago. Yeah. So it may have well been brought back with you. Appearance is like a, well, in the window, it's, it's reddish orange. I'd say clear. It's a very dark red when held the up lamp, to the light. The lamp, it's a darker red. Yeah. But natural light's nice thin body. Or sorry, uh, white head, thin yeah. white head. Making a nice ring around the glass. <laughs> Ooh, definitely smells of tart. It is. It is cool. It's very White. Ron Burgundy quote. <laughs> mm, smells of tart. <laughs> well, I didn't finish what I was going to say. I said it smells of tart raspberries. <laughs> sure. I was in the car. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it has very much a, a sour aroma. Do you get... Brett and Lacto and PDO. Man, I couldn't pick those <laughs> apart. I, I can I get usually it. get them when they're by themselves because I know what the characteristics kind of are. 
Mm-hmm. Not when they're all mixed together like this. It's I just a sour. I don't have a whole lot of experience with the Pediococcus, but the Brett has a very specific aroma. I can pull that. I can pull the Brett. That's what she this. said. And the Lactobacillus gives me that mouth-watering sensation, like yeah. when you think about warheads. Yeah, lacto is really, really, usually the like really sour one. Yeah. And so I pick up the lacto and the brett, but I don't have enough experience with the PDO to be able to figure out exactly what that does. From what I hear, that's that's the dangerous one to play with. Yeah, that's like the the foot cheese and diaper because it can go wrong in very bad yeah. ways. Yeah, but when it goes right, then you get just more of like a, a real rich, nasty sourness. In a good way, I say nasty. Um, oh. I know I know Brett beers forwards and backwards, and I don't usually like them. But that aroma doesn't come through first and foremost in this one. Sorry, I just tasted it. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> the sourness definitely is present. I'm erect now. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is one and, of the most sour beers I've had, like as far as like the tartness, like... Yeah, it's definitely pungent. Yeah. Uh, and I think the raspberry definitely adds a level of tartness because that's a tart fruit anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, however, the flavor of the raspberry is, I wouldn't say over the top. It's pretty well balanced between that and the sour notes of the beer. I mean, it's there, but it's not like all you taste. I get a lot of, of beer sour notes. I wouldn't say it's as sour as Jacobin's. Hmm. It's getting up there, though. It's close. I don't think it's as sour, but it's pretty dang close. All right. Yeah, I'm thinking about Jakobins now. Cause it's like I, putting the whole bag of foreheads in your mouth. <laughs> I have to take little sis of Jakobins. And it's, you know, it. I, I get that, that sour character, and it makes me kind of do that thing, yeah. you know. Get the corner of the cheek little yeah. tinglies. This one is similar, but I have to, I have to take more of it in. Or I, I'm able to take more of it in. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> well. Well. I can also get a strong oh. amount of the barrel character. Like if you put it in your mouth, yes. kind of let it sit there for a second. The longer it's in your mouth, the more barrel character you get. Hmm. It's kind of got that vanilla, oaky... Yeah, when you get past the initial, like, sour uh, punch, then you get some of the other flavors, and the the wood notes in the barrel is something that's um, pretty prominent in this one. Yeah. Also get the fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those flavors are decently well blended. I can, I can taste all of them and pick them all apart. Yeah. Aside from the PDO. <laughs> oh my so goodness! So good, so good. Yeah, if you're a fan of sour beers, then you would love this. Uh, by far, there, there's by any stretch. This is a, I absolutely love this. This is very much a sour beer. It has more things going for it than just straight sour. It's uh, has some complexity to it. The fruit character, you do get the raspberry. You do get the notes from the barrel aging. <laughs> There's a lot to this. I just looked up my check-in to this. 
<laughs> at Avery Brewing Company. <laughs> five bottle caps. Just straight up five. And I said, wow. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, Land of the Free, level 97. Yes, sir. May I, I have another? Yes. Can I please have another? Um, let's see. Friends ratings. Aside from what just happened today... Kellison had this, gave it a 3.75. Hmm. Thank you, Killer. Uh, Origins. And then the last time this was checked into was Fratto Origins. and Eddie having it here, that bottle that I brought back. Oh. So. Oh, so good. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a nice little sour beer to round out our day. I'm glad we didn't drink this any earlier. No, I mean, we saved this into the end on purpose. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a palate wrecker. Yeah. But totally, uh, totally worth it. If you like sour beers, then it's totally worth it. If you're not such a fan of sour beers, then you might be a little bit in buyer's remorse on buying a bottle of it. I'm still in the stage of trying to gain an appreciation for sour beers. Mm-hmm. It's not my first go-to when i see things on a list mm-hmm. um i certainly will order them and rate them and drink the whole thing but it's never you know this the first thing that i jump to like oh my god they got a sour i want that it's always like oh well i haven't had the sour i guess i'll have that i wouldn't say first thing i jump to but if i see one that i haven't had then my curiosity gets the better of me, and I have to try one at some point in my visit. Right. It's getting harder because there are so many more sours coming out on the market. It's hard to keep up. It's the second latest trend in beer, the latest being the New England IPA, I'd say. I'd say. Well, I mean, sours have always been kind of a smaller niche. Yeah, but they've started to kind of become more of a forefront. Yeah. Uh, I'd say I'd before say. New England IPAs was just IPA. People got mm. tired of IPA, and so they said, okay, what's the new thing we can do with an IPA to, you know, revitalize the trend? Um, I'm, I'm kind of at the point, and, you know, we've had this conversation several times. I'm kind of at the point now where I want to have a nice, easy-to-drink, clean mama's little yellow pills yeah you know that's what i reach for and i come home from work mm-hmm. it used to be like oh give me the roastiest stout that you have you know mm-hmm. give me the the most bitter ipa that you have your ipa doesn't have a thousand ibus well then i don't want it yeah i'm not yeah, interested right? god <laughs> who do you think you are now i just want you know the lightest beer that you have <laughs> so i had one of those at turning point and it was fantastic um but I, I always will be in the mood for a, a fantastic tasting sour, and I think Avery does a really good job of them. Yeah, I would agree. Out of all the ones that I've tried before, it, drinking this one and then thinking about more flavors past the sourness—that's that's my mm-hmm. challenge. Getting mm-hmm. past the initial sour and then trying to find other flavors. There is a lot that is going on here, so this is a, a really good complex example of a sour beer with uh, mixed fermentation. That's where you'd put this one in a BGCP competition. Mm-hmm. And y- y- you're right, you can get the vanilla notes, the wood notes, the raspberry 
plays a part. Um, you obviously get all the sour yeast and bacteria character. It's, it's, if it's, if it's 50 a, it's were an unattainable number in BJCP, like I, I don't think I've ever seen a beer, even a commercial example, get 50 points. I don't. I mean, I don't know why. It's a commercial example. It should be it's illegal. Forty-eight to fifty, right? Like the whole guideline is written around that beer. So that should be what you attain to reach. So why should it not be a fifty? If there were ever a beer that would reach that high number, forty-six, forty-eight, fifty, it would be this beer for me. Because like Travis oh, says, dang. you can't find a fault with it. Right. You get the sour mixed fermentation character, obviously. Mm. You get the fruit. You get the barrel. You get the vanilla notes involved with that. Like, seriously, tell me something wrong with this beer. Well, let's look at the uh, guidelines for this one. This is 28B mixed fermentation sour beer. Variable by base style. <laughs> well, hey. okay. I guess, um, I guess there's not much else to read. Because it pretty much says all of that, right? Yeah, this is one of those that starts with a variable by by base style. But since it claims raspberry, you also have to consider it being entered as a fruit Hmm. something. With now, would you enter as a fruit beer with a sour beer as a base, or obviously mixed fermentation and then claim the fruit? Yeah, this would be entered as twenty eight B mixed fermentation, but you'd have to uh, you'd have to claim the base style, which. What do you think the base style of this would be? Because oh. it's something. Fruit beer. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to claim a second base style from fruit beer? Right. No, this. Uh, okay, so on the label it says. I don't get uh, much from the base beer period. Malted barley, specialty Belgian malted barley. Mm. So some kind of Belgian. Maybe a, uh, it's not nearly fruity, dark fruit, dark fruit enough to be a, a double or a quad, but they claim Belgian malt at least. What if it's a beer to guard? The amber version of it could be meant to be cellared, just co- completely overcome by the 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 wild yeast strains, being the PTO in the the Brett. And then with all the lactic, lactobacillus in there too, like I, I, when you get to this point of brewing, like base style, <laughs> you're not expecting Oof. to get any, much less it's barrel aged. <laughs> you basically just jacked like, up your base style so much that you know it's yeah. basically a new. You could say style th- you could itself. say this is a Belgian quad and be like, okay, whatever. Of course, you know, what's the ABV on it? Did we say that? Eight something? 6.3. <laughs> I was way off. So it could be like a double, but I, I don't get any Belgian character, which at that point I don't care. I really don't. I, I think base style for a sour beer is kind of a moot point because the whole point of the sour is that the sour character takes dominance of the flavor profile. So I don't know how to answer your question other than I don't care. Yes and no. <laughs> because what's in your glass and what you enjoy is very different from what 
you have to write down on paper when you're judging in this style. For example, in that uh, in the BGCP, it says that, well, obviously variable base style, but it says look for an agreeable balance between the base beer and the fermentation character. A range of results is possible in that. Yeah. But you should get a pleasant, harmonious beer. Okay, so here's my entry. Insert random base style here. Brewed with Saccharomyces, Brettanomyces, Lactobacillus, Pediococcus, and red raspberries added. Barrel aged. At that point, do you even care about the base style? According to the BJCP, you have to. Well, and as a judge, you're given carte blanche to think whatever you want. Yes. And I would give this a 48. Woo! Tell me I'm wrong. Well. (laughs) I wouldn't write 48 on my paper. What would you write? Forty-three. That's, that's within five. <clears throat> it has an incredible wild fermentation character, which is the hallmark of that style. It does not have a base beer character, which sucks. But, as Chris mentioned, in some cases you don't need a base beer character. <clears throat> You're not going uh, to pick up this bottle... And see raspberry sour and think, oh, this is going to be a great uh, brown ale. Uh, oh, my God. I just found the caveat. You didn't read all the way through. Oh, boy. Uh, the rest of it's fake news. Entry instructions. I read what's important. Entry instructions. The entrant, and this is in bold, must specify a description of the beer, identifying the yeast bacteria used, and either... A base style or the ingredient specs target character of the beer. Oh. Base style is irrelevant for this. <laughs> really? That's what I have to say about that. Uh, no, you didn't read all the way through. So, with that being said, that's for, straight from the BJCP for 28B Mixed Fermentation Sour Beer. The entrant must specify a description of the beer, identifying the yeast, bacteria used, and either a base style or the ingredient specs target character of the beer. So then how would you enter this? <laughs> Do you want me to read the bottle again? <laughs> when you list four different yeast strains plus barrel-aged and fruit, what do you think is going to come through? And here's the genius behind this beer is you can get all of it. So then you write that down as the ingredient slash spec slash target character of the beer. Yes. In place of the base style. Exactly. Because you said it yourself, once you get past the sour notes, you can pick up the vanilla. You can pick up the oak. The fruit is there. Every single thing that they claim. Now, obviously, we don't have enough experience with Pediococcus to exactly say what that flavor profile is. But we can pick up every single thing they claim in this bottle. And as a judge, I would argue that point and and beg for you to find something that's wrong with it. Because 
as James says in his class, when you have your, your paragraph at the bottom that you write, you have to give what, what you think would improve the beer. Three things. I would yes. not be able to find a single thing about this beer that I would change. So why not give it a high 40s, 48? Like I said, apparently 50 is unattainable, but I would put this up there with that, and I would argue it. Yeah, 45 is supposed to be the high score if you give. Well, I don't 45 that. to 13 is the range. On a homebrew scale, because obviously the whole thing's meant for homebrew, so you'd expect that the commercial examples would be 45 to 50 because you're never going to exactly reach what the commercial example is on a on that style. Yeah, you should always strive for perfection. If you tell them they're perfect, then they stop striving for perfection. Right. <clears throat> no, this is good. I I could give it a 45 after you talk to me up on it and and I I would stand by that. See, here's the thing though. Listen to these commercial examples for mixed fermentation. Boulevard Love Child. Never seen it. Cascade, Vlad the Imp, Ailer, never seen it. Jester King, La Petite Prince, we've had that on the podcast. I think this one's better than that. Jolly Pumpkin, Calabaza Blanca, mm-hmm. okay. we haven't had that one. We've had we've had some Jolly Pumpkin. <laughs> I don't think we've had that one. Russian River Temptation, yeah, we have. We have, yes. Okay, we've never had Russian River. They don't distribute here. Uh, the Brewery Ruiz, which one? Ruiz. Which one? The brewery. And the brewery Tart of Darkness. So you have a brewery that has two beers listed on commercial example. Yeah. I would put this one up against every single one of those. Hmm. Yeah. We've had Calabas Blanca and La La Petit Prince. There's nothing more mixed fermentation than having all four yeast strains. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's really funny because the, uh, the ingredients on the BJCP rating say... Usually fermented by Lactobacillus and/or Pediococcus, often in conjunction with Saccharomyces and/or Brettanomyces. They just the, put all of it in there. They're like, screw you! I'm doing all four. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's pretty dang sour, and it's pretty dang fantastic. Hmm. I would say this is probably one of my most favorite sour beers ever. It's right up there with Jakobins. It's very good. As yeah, if someone was like, hey, we got to go pound this, I'd be like, well, we're going to be here for a little while. <laughs> right. Oh, goodness. I would agree. It this took is... me the entire segment until just now to finish this beer. I'm still not done with it because I'm enjoying it. And I had not a full pour. I was about to say, I was anticipating the, this is a sipping beer mm. drop. This mm. is a sipping beer. <laughs> and I would sip this all day long. <laughs> and I'd be okay with it because it's only like six something percent. But on the, on the scale... Poundability would be a zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no ways, no ways around it. This is a poundability one. I'll give it a... Yeah, I was about to say one. Print five. Mm. Wait, what did I say toothpaste was? Poundability zero? Was toothpaste zero? <laughs> <laughs> I forget if toothpaste was zero or one. Whatever I said uh, toothpaste was, this is point five above it. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm really happy that we ended on this beer. This is fantastic. I like it quite a bit. This one aside, I would say the Pills was my favorite. Oscar Blues? Yeah, I'd yeah. agree. But this the, the Avery Raspberry Sour leaps and bounds above anything we had today. Mm-hmm. But I would say the Pills would be... Avery is good. The Oscar Blues is drinkable. Yeah. 
every day if you want yep. multiple in a row. Yes. This uh, raspberry sour, I probably won't be able to have another one of these until next year. It's oh, I drank that whole bomber in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. I could see myself doing that, too. Well, H-E-B's got some two-year-old bottles. Yeah, I'm going to go find them. I'm going to go buy them out. <clears throat> and I'm going to continue to age them. Oh, I would love to do a a flight of these beers, like different. Huh? What what's the what's it called when you do vertical? That? Vertical, yeah. That'd mm-hmm. be entertaining. to See how it changed over the years. Well, you can start with at least 2016, yeah. and then you probably could find 2017. And well, they may they may delay the release on these, knowing that it's a sour. And was it a bottle date or brewed date? Bottle date. <clears throat> Okay, so I, obviously it's already out of the barrel at that point, but but yeah. anyway, cool. Oh no, this is fun. I I I was kind of looking forward to this episode because I know that Colorado puts out a lot of really good craft beer, and obviously we only barely that's what she said barely barely tapped. <laughs> I was about to say we kind of took a feather duster and like. <laughs> On the surface we did of what? the Colorado hold, hold craft on, beer hold scene. On. Hold on, we did what? We did... Uh, <laughs> okay, just wanted to make sure I got that right the first time. We took that feather duster and just yeah. kind of lightly yeah. dusted the surface. I mean, like I said, Sarkar and I went to Colorado and we went to Denver and we were on like a two-block radius and we had 15 different breweries. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good huh. times. Good times. I would love for us to take a trip up there and do something similar. Just hit mm-hmm. up every single brewery we can i know that would be, be so much fun. fun yeah when i took my trip last summer pretty much all the places i went to i'd never heard of and don't distribute here um and that was just in the time that i could visit with my wife in tow which she wanted to do other things so it wasn't a let's go to visit as many brewers as possible kind of trip hmm. i went to a lot that i didn't recognize like prost renegade was also really good Hmm. like literally hole in the wall place across the street from a church oh wow like stucco building um but i wanted to make a point to visit some of the big dogs like oscar blues we went to uh left hand we went to um avery obviously we went to uh breckenridge you know but kind of mix between the two pretty good extremely fun trip yeah yeah hmm thank you for joining us this week's episode of brew styles where we explored beers of colorado join us next week when we take a slight detour to the past we're gonna retry our american light lager blind tasting it was episode 15 no earlier than that episode 10 10, yeah episode 10 yeah So we're going to try that again. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cheers until then. Yeah. Yeah.